Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. Now, for the last year, we have been digging into immersive content in a lot of different ways. And no matter who I have on the show, somebody always brings up virtual reality or augmented reality or even mixed reality. And it's been coming from a variety of different strategic corners in the business. But for the first time, we actually have a virtual reality director and one of the first directors, I think, who's really came out of the gate um, known as a virtual reality director and who has really uh, sort of changed um, the idea behind, um, you know, being a director in this space. So let's have a big Tech Cat welcome for Elijah Allen Blitz. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. Everyone goes crazy in the in the studio audience anytime I mention anybody. So nice. Elijah, Elijah, you are literally one of Time Magazine's first virtual reality directors, and Time Magazine has really been leading the way in creating virtual reality content. And we'll talk about that, but um, give us a sense of your of your background, because most people, you know, that we hear about anyway, are are feature film directors who dance in VR. But you're really coming at it from the other way. So, so give us a sense of how how this came to be. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life, including, you know, being a teacher, uh, including being a musician, including being an actor. Uh, I, I, was, I was always making movies when I was a kid and, you know, directing and telling stories. I think everything I do falls under the category of storyteller. But, you know, one of the things that prepared me most for VR was actually directing theater. And I did that for about four years. And oh, interesting. That, you okay. Know, it, yeah, it, and it ends up when you're actually directing live-action VR content, that that skill set ended up coming into play a lot. Um, but, it, you know, it, it's really, it's all storytelling. And that, to me, is for me at least, that's the heart of it. Well, that is the first time that I've heard um, anyone sort of draw an association between those two things, but it, it really, really makes sense. So how did the opportunity come to you? To direct VR? Uh, to direct you know, VR, yeah. I was... Yeah, I was at the TED conference a few years ago, and I saw Chris Milk's Evolution of Verse, and that, to me, was just like, okay, I got it. I, I saw, it's not like that was the ultimate experience, but I, that was, showed me the ultimate potential, and I saw how this could affect everything across the board and really change lives, and so I just, from, pretty much from then on, I started just diving in and learning all about it and researching it and just doing it and going out and shooting. And I, I shot my first piece in 2015. And then from there, there was just this snowball effect. And I was started working with my friend Artemis Joukowsky, who was working with Ken Burns. And that became the, uh, the piece for Time Magazine that ended up launching their VR app, Life VR. It was called Defying the Nazis. It was based on Ken Burns' last film. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, it's just this, it's been this, amazing journey and roller coaster since then where we're, we're all kind of being the rules as we go along. You know, it's like if somebody does yeah. something really cool, we're all like, Oh, Hey, let's, let's go this way. You know, look, look what they did. That's, we're, 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 we're co-creating this new medium. So, so um, b- backing up a little bit. So time magazine had not done any VR yet. And um, th- did Ken Burns approach them or they approached Ken Burns or how did the whole thing kind of get going? So I actually approached Ken Burns 
through my friend Artemis, who was who was actually working on a film with Ken. He was co-directing it because it was about Artemis's grandparents during World War II. And so they they were working on this film together. I approached Artemis. Artemis brought me to Ken, and Ken loved the idea. Uh, we I worked with VR Playhouse, and we created this experience, and we, we began working on it, and we weren't sure who we were going to go to. And when Mia Trams from Time Magazine heard about this, she said, this is it. They actually tailored the launch date of their Life VR app to come out on the same day as the film. So it was just it was just perfect. Mia got the vision from the beginning and just made this happen. And this has, in so many ways, besides sort of creating a path for you, it also, I think, in many ways, revitalized Time Magazine's brand, um, because all the publishers have had challenges sort of reinventing themselves right now. And so Time Magazine has sort of come out in front now because of their comprehensive immersive content play. Um, yeah. and so Mia was real, and I've heard Mia speak many times, um, in the various events that you and I have both attended, um, and they're, they're really leading. Um, and so you were part of, of their first creation and what, what was that like? Did people know what was going on? I mean, was it hard to convince people what needed to happen? Um, some, some people, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, a. Uh... And, and it always, it still is the case, you know, where, where, you know, when I'm making pitches, even to, you know, really established brands or creators or di- different people, it's like, they're amazing, wonderful, open-minded thinkers, but until you actually see it, you don't quite get it. And so, you know, a lot of the times I'll, it'll, it'll, it can't just be like a call or a, or, or a Skype meeting or something. It's like, I literally have to go wherever they are, put them in a headset and say, look, like, this is, this is what it is. This is what it can be. So... You know, without, you know, naming names or anything, it, de- it definitely can be difficult until you get them in that initial experience. I remember not just, Ken wasn't at all, like Ken was, you know, totally open to the experience from the beginning. But I remember when we first showed Ken, uh, Ken Burns, the experience for defying the Nazis, because we had to get him to sign off on it and, and he hadn't really seen anything. And so if he said no, all this work we had kind of done would have you know, been almost for nothing. So we, we go, because, you know, there was a really tight timeline we were working with last year. So we go and we, we, we show up to, to this thing. We have, you know, 15 minutes in his schedule. And we, we talk with him. We put him in the headset. And he's totally quiet for, like, the first 30 seconds. We're all just waiting there. And he just goes, perfect. And we're just all like, <laughs> oh, God. He's just, all right, we're good. We're good. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, wow. really, it's really a... It, yeah, it's, it's it's a very important thing, you know, especially in this stage of it where people aren't familiar with this, you know, where you have to you have to show them. It's it's something you have to see to really understand. And of course, Ken Burns is a very famous and very successful documentarian who, in his in his own way, ha- has um, you know done a lot of things with film, with focus, right, with moving, right. with uh, t- turning stills into living images, and really. Um, leading the way in reinventing documentaries. So you brought him this new tool. Um, and, and is he, are you engaged with him anymore? Are there conversations about doing more work together? Absolutely. I love him and his whole team at Florentine Films and PBS. They're all amazing people. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about a few more things. I'm, I can't mention anything because it's not official yet, but we are definitely in conversation and we have a few projects that are uh, starting to move forward. I mean, they're just, they're such great people, obviously. I mean, for, for, you can tell kind of from their work. But just, just on, a, on a side note, what you just said about the, uh, the, the images and coming in and out of focus. So when we showed him the, the experience last year, there was a part where 
uh, in, in the VR experience, there's images, these still images of the Holocaust survivors in the sky, and you're hearing their voices as they're talking. And, and so when he comes out of the experience, he's like, you know, this is great. He's like, but I, I would love it if you could kind of, when the still images come up, if you could kind of pan into them and pan away from them and kind of pull out. And I'm just sitting there just like an arm, like, you mean like, the Ken Burns effect, you know, basically, like, <laughs> you know, what, what you doing? This was like, it was such an honor to be like, have Ken Burns saying basically, yeah, if you could use the Ken Burns effect. You know, what, does he, does he, did he laugh when you said that? I mean, obviously he must no, know no, that it's no, no, called no, the I, Ken I Burns effect. I was, I was, I literally had like my tongue and my mouth is like, oh, like you're literally telling me, you know, I think it, it actually says on iMovie and Steve Jobs had to pay him for this. It says, when you click on a still image, you can click the option for Ken Burns effect, which makes the images pull in and out. On iMovie. Oh my God, that is oh the so new I, the new photographer the new photo thing right lets you do all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my God, oh my God, that that is a total mind blow. Now, one of the data <laughs> points for this was that that the VR experience generated over four hundred million media impressions for the film, which in the yeah. end, when you're going to get funding. And there's this side, you know, immersive content project. What you're really trying to do is create engagement across the board with, with the main project or vice versa, whatever piece of the VR experience it is, whether it's the main project or ancillary. Do you now yep. have good case study to, to bring to people and you can say, look, this is going to create more engagement for you? Oh, absolutely. That was that was huge. When we, when we got that report from PBS, it was like, oh, it was just perfect it was it just it blew everyone's expectations out of the water it, i mean it was 40 percent of the media impressions for the pbs film came from the vr piece in time magazine and also i think as, as you were kind of referring to it's the ancillary content it wasn't just the vr content but it was what we did separate pieces where we for example we showed a holocaust survivor a recreation of her rescue in vr and so there's a video of that. And like that video had a link to the film and, you know, the VR piece had a link to the film. So all these, you know, subsequent pieces that we created from the VR piece, that was, it ended up getting 40% of the media impressions for the actual film. At least, you know, that's what their analytics said. So obviously that was a great thing to start going around after we got those numbers and we're like, all right, you know, this can work. Yeah. I mean, that is the kind of stuff that everyone is dying to hear because right now, Creating VR can be expensive. It's also new. The technology is continuously changing. So in, in many ways, it's a little of a, of a risk, right? Because right. also the distribution piece with headsets and all of that is not quite settled. And so when we come back, we're going to take a break in a moment. We're going to talk a little bit about trends in VR directing um, and ha you know what what's bubbling up both on the technology side and the behavior side and what are the kind of things that you're you're confronting you know as as an artist in this space but one thing I do remember that you showed um, at one event I was at was you showed um, not the VR experience because it's hard to do that in front of a whole audience but you showed a Holocaust survivor's reaction to what you had done and it was so powerful. What what made you come up with that idea? Because I was weeping during that. Oh wow! Thank you. I mean, you know what's amazing is that that was actually for me. That was the reason we chose to focus on that specific segment of Ken's film because I I I knew that there were still so they kind of have to back up to explain a little bit. There, there was 
in in Ken's film, it was about these, this, this couple from Massachusetts that went over during World War II and saved all of these Jewish refugees. And part of that, they also, there was a section where they smuggled these 27 children onto this boat and, and got them to the United States without their families, just to, to save their lives. Their families, like, said, you know, please take our kids, and they saved their lives. And we could have focused on many other parts of the film, but I really pushed for focusing on the segment with the kids because I knew a lot of those kids were still alive. And so because of that, what we were able to do once we created the experience, when you're on the boat, you're hearing interviews of the kids, you're looking around, you're seeing the Statue of Liberty as, as you pull into New York. And we were able to take that experience and show one of the children, her name, she's an amazing woman, her name is Amelie Diamant Holstrom. And we were able to show her and document her watching a recreation of her rescue in virtual reality. Oh, wow. You just gave me a chill again. It was a very emotional experience. Well, we're going to talk about that more and get us some trends when we are back with fabulous Elijah, who is giving us some insights on what it's like to be a VR director. So we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We are chatting with Elijah Allen Blitz, who is one of the first VR directors. Um, I mean, many people have been directing VR, but Elijah is really well known as a VR director, helping launch Time Magazine's virtual reality play. And we were just talking about a really clever piece he did to demonstrate the power of VR with a Holocaust survivor when you showed her in VR what the experience was like for her arrival to the United States. She was one of the children that was saved um, by, by um, being pulled out of Germany and, and sent elsewhere. Um, and you were telling me, um, what, what's her name again? Her name is? Her name is Amelie, Amelie Diamant Holstrom. And what what I was telling Elijah is that I've never, um, no one else in terms of letting people understand the power of VR has really turned the camera on watching someone watch VR, you know, of their own experience. So it was so powerful. So what are some of the other trends that are sort of, um, you know, bubbling up 
in VR, especially as a director? Are, are there certain things that you're noticing, especially over the last year, because it's been a tremendous year of evolution for virtual reality? Right. Um, and, and from my vantage point, at least right now, I think you ain't seen nothing yet, you know, <laughs> next year, at least from, from what, from what, I, what I've seen kind of behind the scenes right now, next year and, and the, you know, in 2019 and, and 20, obviously, but you know, I think 2018 is going to be a big push. And I think probably everyone said this at the end of 2016 and 2015 as well, but I really, from what I've seen, at least 2018 is pretty poised to start cracking the surface where, you know, this technology is going to become pretty disruptive and it's going to move from that deceptive phase where it seems like it's underground and, you know, only the certain few are using it to then it starts to break through the cracks. And I think this, that's really coming, especially when you're talking about trends with location-based experiences. And that, oh, now tell, yeah, tell us what, what that means because we hear that a lot. So what, what do you mean by location-based experiences? So basically it's, it's like a, a movie theater slash arcade for VR. So where you, you, there's a specific place that, that's dedicated to it. And, you know, um, Dreamscape, ha, you know, has, has the, uh, the deal with the Westfield Mall, but, you know, that's, that's now public information. Um, and, and so they're going to be launching next year. And, you know, you go to a Westfield Mall and they have this whole Dreamscape setup, And it's like you go and experience these incredible it, things. It, it's not something you could do in your living room yet because they have haptics where, you know, that you're, you have vibrating hands and, and feet, and you, you can actually see your avatar's hands and feet in your torso because you're wearing some kind of vest. And you can interact with things, and there's smells, and there's scents, and there's, there's you know, sprays coming at you. If you can touch things, interact with it, if you, you know, pet a, a, some kind of creature, like, you can actually feel that there's a physical animatronic something there that makes you feel like it. it you know, things like the void. Yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, if, if, you know, I don't know if you've done that experience, but, you know, you're, you're a Ghostbuster. And, you know, you're, you're literally shooting the State Puff Marshmallow Man on top of the Empire State Building and you smell burning marshmallows, you know. Right, so, so this so is, this are, is a, a physical place you go to, you suit yeah. up in the VR gear and you experience something and it's, it's like a place you walk into as opposed to your living room. Exactly. Sorry, I probably just got a little overexcited talking about location-based stuff. As you can tell, I'm super into it. I think it's amazing. Yeah, but yes, that's that's a very good description of, of what it is. It's it's uh, it, it it's kind of the the until the head-mounted displays and the, the the really advanced headsets come out with the internal tracking and 4K each eye and like 180 degree uh, you know wrap around kind of take out your peripheral field of view. Until that kind of stuff comes out and is that an affordable price point that everybody can just, you know, buy for Christmas. Um, I, I think that location base is, is going to be the answer until then. Right. And the, so there's the, the disconnect right now with, with VR and AR experiences is that if you want to have the full on experience, you need to have a pretty expensive uh, setup, which is tethered right. to a computer and it's a big processor, and it's allowing you to have that really robust experience. Most people right now are experiencing VR through, you know, either Google um, Cardboard or maybe they have like a Samsung Gear, and so they're not really getting that powerful experience that you're you're talking about. Um, and when you talk right. about HMDs, the the headsets that everyone's wearing, there's been a ton of announcements in the uh, in twenty eight for twenty eighteen that more affordable but more powerful versions of these untethered headsets will be released. Yes. Do you think that that will change the game? Oh, absolutely. Uh, at least that will be a very big step 
into changing the game. You know, it, it's a, it's an interesting thing because if we compare this to all the other technologies, like you know, the iPhone, for example, it's like we with cell phones, there was just kind of it seemed like this this quantum leap where it suddenly you know we went from these like flip phones to the iPhone, and it you know maybe the BlackBerry to an iPhone, but still it was just this huge like whoa, it was just you know light years ahead of, of everything else, and I don't know at least. It seems it's a different thing with VR because everybody. And actually, it's probably also because I'm just so immersed in this field. But I, I'm seeing all these things and all these different steps. So we're kind of like seeing behind the, the curtain. But we have definitely not seen the iPhone of head-mounted displays at all yet. Not even close. Like we are probably, you know, if this is cell phones, we're just leaving the kind of brick phone from the movie Wall Street, you know, with Michael Douglas, where he's holding the... Oh, right, that head, is famous, you know? the scene where you see him carrying yeah, that around. That, right, right. And so that, that's, the, that's about the phase I'd say we are, you know, if you're comparing this to cell phones. Um, we're, we're about to leave that phase, as you're saying, when we get to, past the untethered stuff. And is that is that sort of the move away from 360 videos, which everyone was saying 360 is the next version of VR and that will make it democratized and everybody will understand VR because of 360 videos? Has that, has that happened? Well, you know, it's a very, very interesting point because we, we probably should clarify that 360 is technically not VR because virtual reality I think fundamentally implies like you have to be able to interact with the environment. And in a 360 video, other than just being able to look around, you can't really do that. And so I, I think 360 video is a different art form in itself. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think 360 video is necessarily just going to go away or it's not dead. It's just, it's just different. And we have to be really clear. So when we're talking about VR, we should make that distinction. Like, for example, the piece that I did for Ken Burns' film, that was a 360 video. You know, uh, it, 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 it's technically, I mean, I don't know, it, it's hard to say. I, I'm definitely, you know, as, as I said, we're all kind of co-creating the rules here. But, you know, if, you, if we look back to some of like the, the godfathers of this thing, or the, the fathers technically with like Jaron Lanier and, and people like that, like they would, they would probably call that 360 video as opposed to VR. Um, so, so, yes, I think we're going to see a lot more VR, actual VR with interactive, immersive experiences coming out. And somebody's going to figure out, a hack for the phones very soon where you're going to be able to use both the front facing and rear facing cameras to create, to get a, like a depth map of some sort. So you can actually start to do volumetric interactive virtual reality experiences with your phone on just a little kind of play. I, I think that'll happen sometime next year. And we, we have talked about this before on the show, but can you define what volumetric means for people that haven't heard before? Yeah, basically volumetric is, is, you know, you, you're uh, so say that you know if you're if you're looking at a, a person uh, in in a in a 360 video, or you, you have the headset on and you're looking at an individual, and I'm, and I'm talking with you in a 360 video, I can just look at you and I can kind of look, uh, you know, turn, turn my head to the right and to the left, but I, I'm only seeing just still really a, a 2D image of you, and I can you know decide to look at you or not because I have a full 360 environment to look around. But in volume in a volumetric experience, which would be virtual reality. I could actually stand up and walk around you like we were in the same room together. You know, basically looking at a digital avatar where I could stand up and I could turn, I could go around and, you know, I could, I could see the back of your head. I could see the side of you. We could, you know, interact in some way if, if this was like a live thing. 
So got it. Got it. Such, yeah, a, uh, such a mind blow. And you were saying too that there's so much more more to come in all of this. Are you actually meeting with technologists? Are you meeting with coders? Are you someone that they're coming to because they want to understand what what can they do for you as the director and visionary? Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's really a mix. Um, I sometimes is the answer that that definitely happens. I also will definitely actively seek out people that I've seen their work or, or just the experiences that I want to be connected with or ideas that I have and say, Hey, you know, let's, let's take this to this person and let's see if we can turn this into a reality. Um, you know, it's been, I was actually talking with Christina Heller from VR Playhouse last night and we were saying how like a lot of these really great projects seem to take about a year to make because you might have this idea but the technology is not quite there and the vision can't really be realized. So the technology is there. And so it's just, for some reason with a lot of these projects, including defining the Nazis, they all seem to take about a year to really get going. Um, I mean, it's kind of, you know, like Scorsese's thing with uh, the Irishman. I don't, I don't know if you heard this story, but he had been like uh. wanting to make this movie for, I think it's at least 20 years, but he couldn't do it because the technology wasn't there. Because he wanted, he wanted to create younger versions of the actors. So now it's De Niro and Pacino. And you're going to see them, and then you're going to see them when they're in their 20s and 30s because they're using this, these volumetric scans, and then they're de-aging them. Wow. Anyway. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's incredible when you think about that because um, I have a friend who's a VR producer, and she told me that they started a movie with one version of a software and then in the middle of the year, the version got updated, and then they had to go back and reprocess things. And so you're always in this sort of technology chase along with creative needs, right? Totally, Has that happened totally. to you? Has that happened to you yet? Oh, where they changed the technology on you? Hundred percent. Like it happens all the time. You really have to be thinking one to two years ahead of the, you know with the project you want to create of what's going to be relevant. Then I mean, we have to be shooting stuff. This recent piece I just did uh, with Larry Hamilton. Um, I, I work with Riot, and uh, we shot this, and we shot this in 8K, and there's no players that can play this in 8K yet, but yet is the key word there, because we have, we have, so we've released the experience, it's out now, but you can't see the experience to its fullest capacity yet, so we had to kind of future-proof the experience, and that's, that's what we did, and I think that's a really important thing, not just with VR directors, but with directors in general if you're making you know movies i i would always be wanting to push the boundaries of where the technology is and looking to where it's going as you're creating something that you want to live on wow that that is a great note to to um end this section and uh we need to take a break but we have been talking to elijah allen blitz who is a well-known vr director one of the first to uh to really come out specifically um, as an artist in this space and help launch Time Magazine's VR um, initiatives. So we're going to be back talking to Elijah Moore about trends in VR and some of his future projects. And I would love to talk about augmented reality with you as well. So we'll be back in a moment with the fabulous Elijah. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? 
From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. We have been listening to the fabulous Elijah Allen Blitz on what the future of virtual reality is. And as a well-known director in VR, Elijah is sort of sitting at the center of the storm between the creative movement in immersive content and also in the technology changes that are evolving so fast. So one of the, the big trends that's been talked about in the last six months is not only virtual reality, but augmented reality. And there are a lot of people that feel that AR, as it's known, has more monetization uh, opportunities and maybe more interesting for marketers and uh, product manufacturers and folks that are really trying to make money at this. Or it may have more practical um, implications. What, what are your thoughts on AR? Yeah, I, I think just to add to what you just said, it's immediate practical applications. You know, it's, it's very, you know, because obviously Apple has AR kit and it's just, that's now, right? Where Apple does not have a, a VR, you know, player or anything out right now. So it, it's, it's, all, it's all about the immediacy of it. That's, that's what's so valuable about AR. And it's not to detract from the value of AR, but when you compare it to VR, it's just a totally different thing. And, and obviously, you know, virtual and A and R and V and R, it's, you know, everyone thinks <laughs> of it intimately linked. They're not necessarily. It's, it's, it's a totally different experience and they're totally different medium. And yes, we're experiencing them in a similar way and they're coming out at a similar time, but it's, it's a very different thing. So do, do people come to you to help create AR experiences as well? Um, you know, like HoloLens and some of these other... Um, you know, AR experiences that are really going to be blending the two, and then we enter the world of mixed reality. Have you been playing in that right. space as well? A little bit. I've been talking with the team at Meta a little bit, Meta Glass, and they're doing amazing things. I remember actually hearing about them almost five years ago and seeing, you know, what, what they're working on. So, I, you know, I'm very impressed with, with some of that technology, and I love the guys over at 8i. You know, they're, they're doing, you know, great work over there as well. Uh, and I actually am talking with AI about doing doing a project together. Um, I, to me though, I, and I don't know, it, it has to be the right project. And when something really grabs me, I'm sure. And you know, when Magic Leap comes out, that'll change the game again. And I'm sure that I'll be kind of chomping at the bit to say, hey, you know, let me make something with you guys. But as of right now, I'm really called more in the direction of VR and not just in the 360 area, but again, kind of going back to what we were mentioning earlier, the location-based stuff. And, and to me, that's, that's where um, a lot of this is headed next and, and interactive and creating experiences that really, you know, in some ways, not to get too 
philosophical, but some ways will elevate consciousness because that's where I see the potential of this going is, is we can use these experiences to really affect the people that are watching them. And if we have that kind of power, we have to be very conscious of how we use it. Well, that's a really good point. I mean, when you were saying that, you just made me think of ayahuasca. <laughs> right. Because I have all these yeah. friends who are in Hollywood who are creating great content, and they talk a lot about ayahuasca, and not because they're big druggies, but they really refer to ayahuasca as um, medicine that um, that elevates their consciousness. And I, and I, so the same conversations are happening w- with immersive content, which is kind of a mind blow. So do you do you think that for you as a VR director, and as you said, you're a content creator in general, but um, do you have to think differently when you're working in VR than when you're directing theater or something else? Like, is there a different approach you have to take because the camera now is sort of in a different perspective? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the obvious thing, uh, you know, as, as I'll tell people when they're at, like trying to get into directing VR and stuff, I'll say, well, just remember, you know, nothing is not in the shot, right? There's, there's no right. there's behind the scenes. Like, yeah, a lot of things you have to go hide behind, like put the camera down and go hide behind a rock, you know? <laughs> so it's like uh, you have to be aware that you can now. We, we have definitely done shots before where you can plate things out, which basically means like, you know, we can be there and then we just take another shot, you know, then we do another shot where we're not there, and then we can kind of comp those images together and plate it out, but mostly, you know, that, that's a good thing to be aware of, is that everything, everything is in the audience's field of view. Yeah, and there's so much, um, there's so much chatter now, too, about live compositing and, you know, post-production changing so much because of, of all of this, so, so you can cover up the cameraman if you have to, but, but budget wise, it's sort of better to shoot it the right way to begin with. Correct. Like you don't want to have to worry about that later. So when you sit down and plan, then are you doing storyboards? Like, like you would do in traditional filmmaking? Are you really planning out each shot? And then you have to plan where you're going to stick the camera and hide it. You know, I I have before, I've definitely done storyboards. uh, And, and in reality, a lot of the times when you're actually out in the field, the storyboards just kind of, go to shit and it's good to have some idea that you know what you're thinking about but it's really just kind of you know you get you get what what you see when you're like all right this this is the shot this is the angle look at this i didn't think about this let's get this so so how does someone who's coming up and wanting to go to film school how do they learn about vr vr programs being taught now is this you know how do you how do you become a vr director well um the, the real answer to how to, I mean, I can only speak from my experience. The real answer from my perspective is you just do it. You know, you get a, a 360 camera, however much you can afford. It doesn't matter if you create cool stuff. It, it doesn't matter the quality. Like you, people will understand what you're trying to do and the story you're trying to tell. and They'll, they'll get it. So just get out there, get that experience. You know, even get the, they have little plugins for like four or 500 bucks you can put into your phone, you know, and, and it's like a 360 thing. Just, you know, start, if you really want to do this, start making it because the barrier to entry is not that high. And, it, you know, it's similar to film. It's just like, just start making stuff. Uh, there are classes, though. There was a great class at uh, USC that I actually came and spoke with, and they're doing incredible things. Like, I had to remind the students, I was like, you guys don't get that you're a part like a handful of people in the world that know how to do what you're doing. They're doing incredible volumetric scanning and capture. Like, 
anyway, yeah. So it's it's, <laughs> a, it's a very interesting time where 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 the students are actually the pioneers in, in a real real way. And, and is, is that because universities get fun? I'm sorry. Is that because universities are getting funding, or because they're able to do anything they want or something new right away, and because the tech is changing so much? I mean, is that is that why universities are in the role they're in? Uh, part partly, they, definitely, they have funding, and so they're able to do this really cool stuff. I mean, you know, I remember when I was over at USC, there was the uh, the, the like. I forgot the name of it. It's like the, I think it's the Zemeckis building. And they have the motion capture studio where they were shooting Beowulf there. And it's like oh, wow. a lot of this, yeah, a lot of this experimental technology begins in, in these, these classrooms. And then people were just kind of like, hey, well, what if we tried this? And, you know, because there's, you know, it, it, you're, you're a student again. You know, you're able to make mistakes and, and you're not afraid of that. And you can try things and iterate. And that's, you know, that's what's so essential. So I think it's a mix between, yes, they have the budget. They also have the open-mindedness. They, they're not afraid to fail, quote-unquote fail. And then also they have an incredible teacher over there with a guy named Eric Hansen, who is the reason I came and spoke, who is, he has a company called X-Res, and they are doing fantastic things. I mean, they had, I, I think I can talk about this. I'm pretty sure they released it. it it's a, a like a volumetric photorealistic scan of an Egyptian tomb that you cannot get access to. And so what that means, volumetric photorealistic scan, is that you put on the, the headset and it is a complete, realistic, accurate, photorealistic, meaning you cannot, it doesn't look, it's not CGI at all. It doesn't look CGI, at least, at least. it's just real. And you can walk around the environment. It's not just wow. a 360 video, it's, re, it's real VR. And it's, and it's a tomb that you could never, as an individual, have access to, you know? And, and yeah. Yeah, so, so stuff like that, that's, that's a huge, obviously, for me being a teacher, that it's just the education component where it's like, let's take kids all over the world on virtual field trips. Let's go to impoverished schools where kids can't, you know, don't have access to stuff, maybe have never left their neighborhood. And let's take them, uh, you know, to, to the Galapagos. Let, let's, let's go to the children's hospital and, and bring them to Egypt, you know, where, where, like, maybe they can't get out of their, their bed. Anyway, that's what wow. I did. Maybe yeah, no, yeah, I can hear I can hear your excitement, and I I'm getting excited too because I I have an eight year old, and I love the idea that her education is going to evolve because of all this. We we had a, a gentleman by the name of David Kleeman on the show who does a lot in um, children's toys and VR for kids, and I'm always worried about that. But do you think there's any brain changing because of VR? You know, is that something we should be at all concerned about? Uh, it's definitely something we should be aware of. I don't know the research. Uh, I don't think there actually has been enough research done yet to see the development, uh, the impact of development on, on kids' brains. Um, so I, I think we should be aware of it. I think that there is something about keeping a, a screen two inches from our eyes so for that long of a period. So we should definitely be aware of it. We should look into this more. I don't know, but also... I think let, let's, you know, let, let's experiment, not experiment with, with the kids, but let, let's do this research. Let's get some answers to those questions. Because, you know, it is something where we're not using screens. Maybe there's something where we're actually projecting the images into your retina in a way that's maybe less harmful. I don't know, but let's start to figure that out because that's, this is such an incredible tool. And we have to figure, you know, find the least harmful way to use this tool. 
Right. It's so funny because um, we'll talk about this. We're going to take a break in a moment, but you were mentioning sort of Ken Burns' aha moment, and everyone, it seems, has an aha moment with VR, and especially in education. I was really excited when I experienced um, being on Mars um, and right. watching the Mars Project um, with um, the astronaut. Um, oh, my God, I'm forgetting his name right now, but the one well, with well the yeah, Buzz Aldrin, right. Having him talk to me on Mars was a mind blow. So I think, you know, you're yeah. absolutely right that the potential here is, is tremendous. All right, well, we're going to take a break. Um, and when we come back, maybe you can fill us in a little bit on what you have coming up. Um, what are some of the things that you're you're doing to, to educate yourself? Who do you listen to? And what are you going to conferences, shows to, to keep yourself up? Because there is so much changing. But yet at the same time, you're a busy working professional so you know it's, it's the juggle right now so we'll be back in a moment on the tech cat show with elijah allen blitz who is as well as being um one of the um top vr directors is also named after a prophet <laughs> <laughs> which we were just talking about all right we'll be back in a moment on the tech cat show Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we are back. We've been talking to Elijah Allen Blitz, who is a top VR director, and he's been filling us in on some trends and how you move through this crazy world where the technology is always changing, as well as consumers' behaviors around uh, adopting this new form of content. So, Elijah, how do you keep up with everything? I mean, you're working, so you're, you're learning on the job, but do you go to any trade shows or conferences to keep up with everything? Is there any show or any Twitter followers or anything that you're reading that you think is, like, top-notch to help you keep up to date? Oh, yeah, gosh, I... I mean, I really, you know, you just have to have my phone, to, you know, set to alert me about, you know, specific things. I mean, there's, you know, there's upload VR. Uh, let's see, I, I don't even I have to kind of look at the phone to see how many different alerts I get. But also, it, it's yeah, it's just, you know, every time, you know, Facebook or anybody or Google or Apple or somebody has an announcement, just staying up to date on that stuff. Uh, because, you know, a lot of the times, somebody else will miss that. And, you know, I've been in meetings before where they'll, where they'll be like, 
paperwork, but you know, we if, if we release it, you know, fourth quarter next year, we won't have enough time. There won't be a you know what wireless headset, and it's like, oh, actually, no, you know, Santa Cruz from you know Oculus is going to be coming out fourth quarter next year, so it's perfect. And just just to keep up to date on that stuff is very valuable to be able to pull that information out in meetings in real time because you know it, it's in your head. Uh, as far as conferences, uh, VR on the lot was is always amazing every year. But uh, you know, CES. Um, you know, even going to these film festivals and just seeing what's out there and making sure you, you know, check out the the cutting edge experiences, you know, seeing Hallelujah and, and you know, what, what they did, you know, with Lytro and, you know, seeing Tree Hugger, you know, what what Barney did. I, I don't know if you've seen that experience, but it's, it's the one that won Tribeca last year. Um, anyway, keeping up to date on that stuff is, is very, very important because it's part of our medium. You know, if you want to tell stories in this medium, you have to know the tools you have to tell the stories you want to tell. So tracking uh, other artists as well, seeing what they're doing, and then you bring up such a great point that you, you have to walk into a meeting understanding what's going to happen with the technology in the next year or two, because you, to your point, it takes that long for a project to launch, so you have to know where, right. where the, the tech is going. Who was your favorite host and moderator at VR on the lot? Oh, Lori. Oh, okay. I just, wanted, I just wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, oh my God. Now, whatever, do you, whatever you do, I'm, I'm with Lori. Vote for Lori. I'm, yeah, 100%. I'm I can't. I can't help myself. Um, and and in in terms of um, trade regular trade shows that were normally for filmmakers and content creators, are you seeing them all start to develop immersive content content areas? And you know, are we are we now in the next evolution of of that where everywhere we go? you know, we're going to be learning about immersive technology? I think we're very close to that. I, um, yeah, it, it's, it's only going to get more and more because, you know, I really think that all of these things are going to start to merge in some very interesting way because once these headsets get good enough, you're going to be able to put on a headset, lay in bed, and watch an IMAX movie, on, oh, sorry, a Netflix movie on what appears to you as an IMAX screen in the headset. You know, and it's, wow. the headset's going to be light and comfortable. And so, you know, that's that's obviously that's a whole new way. So when we say immersive content, we don't have to think you know 360 video or VR. This could be a regular Spielberg film that you're just wanting to pull up. You want to watch ET, but watch it in IMAX, laying into your bed at your house. You know. Uh, and when you, you, and when, you uh, when you refer to IMAX, you mean like the really big screens, yes. the really it's wide enormous. circular experiences. Exactly. But you have to, yeah. but you have to those, those, they're just a regular, regular straight on movie, but, but in a, in a really beautiful visual way. Um, and are yeah, you, we'll um, you know, do you spend a portion of your day, like a lot of folks that we interview, just reading? I mean, are you sitting there just reading emails and Twitters and all the alerts? You know, do you have to like, have you operationalized that where you cut out a part of your day and you just know I'm going to read? You know, I, I, no, I don't, I keep it pretty, uh, pretty open. It's just kind of like in the moment that I have time, I'm constantly absorbing information. I use uh, different apps. There's one called Pocket that lets you save articles, which is very helpful because sometimes I'll see something, oh, that's awesome, but I can't read it right now. So I'll save that and I'll make sure, you know, I take time whether I'm on a plane or in the car or wherever just to, you know, set it and, and go. Also, a helpful trick in, in the car is, at least on the iPhone, there's an option where you can listen to articles, not just audiobooks, but articles. And it's well, yeah, how do you do that? Voice. I've been wanting to do that. How do you do that? It's what, what's, so, the, what's the trick? It's so helpful. So, so it's, it's, it's somewhere in settings, and it's, I think it's 
under speech yeah. uh, in, in accessibility and settings, and you turn it on and basically swipe with two fingers from the top, and it starts to read whatever text is on the page. And it's, it's a little robot voice-ish, but it's good enough. You, you totally get it. You can adjust the speed. And, uh, and that's so helpful to me, obviously, because in L.A., we're driving all the time. And so being able to get through articles and, you know, you know absorb information as, uh, as I'm moving and grooving throughout the day is very helpful. Now, are you writing or blogging or, you know, sharing your thoughts anywhere? Where can we follow what you're up to? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, it, it, I'm not really, and, and Facebook, I'm not really blogging. Um, I don't. I don't have time for that right now. I just, I just, that time has not really presented itself. And mostly of my, you know, creative output, it goes into writing treatments or, or screenplays or, or something, you know, that I'm going to create. Uh, I, 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 you know, thought about a friend of mine, Jason Silva, he does these incredible, he basically, he treats social media like a video diary. And he just like takes these videos and just literally expresses what's on his mind and in his heart at the moment. And then he just shares it, on, you know, on Instagram stories or on his Instagram or Twitter or whatever. And it's such a cool thing. And I thought about doing something like that. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, if there's so much <laughs> You're too on, busy. I've never seen, yeah, exactly. I've never seen that time to be like, oh, wait, let me stop and just like do this right now. But I think that's a great idea. And if I was to do a blog, I think it would be more along the lines of that. And, and what, what is your Twitter and Instagram um, account? Uh, let's see, it's, on Twitter, it's Elijah A.B., and then Instagram is Elijah space A dot B. Um, but if you just Great. Google Elijah Allen Blitz, there's no other Elijah Allen Blitz in the world that I know of. <laughs> so, so that I, is I true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. And anything anything coming out soon that we can look out for? Anything, um, any one of your projects about to launch? Yes. Uh, so this isn't about to launch, but it's about to go into production. And I'm so happy to get to say this because this has been a, almost exactly a year, a little bit over that I'm working on this. I'm working with Van Jones on a, on a VR experience to his show, The Messy Truth. Excuse me. And oh, wow. Putting, That's great. Yeah. So we're, it, it's really we're basically without going too deep into it. We're going to be putting the viewer in the shoes of the other someone that they feel they have nothing in common with. They're going to be POV experiences. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's fantastic. So you're, you're actually uh, helping to solve some of the challenges in the Trump era. Um, And he's such a powerful, uh, powerful thought leader. It's, it's, it's an, it's an attempt. It's, you know, it's, it's just to see everyone says this is the, you know, this is the ultimate empathy machine. And it's like, all right, then let's, Let's use it as such. Let's really let's get let's give it a test and let's see let's see what we can do. This is it's honestly it's more of a social experiment in a lot of ways because we're really going to try and we're going to take this around the country and see wow. what what we can do and what kind of effect it actually has. And it really is an experiment, as a lot of these VR experiences. But this is one that obviously you know I'm very passionate about, and I think you can understand why. Wow, that is so exciting. So we have been talking to you, Elijah Allen Blitz. Um, we have to jump off on the Tech Cat show now, but Elijah's been dropping insights about the future of VR, what it's like to be a top director in the space, and all of his new and exciting projects. So check him out um, on social media. Keep an eye out for his new Van Jones project. What's it called? Oh, The Messy Truth VR. The Messy Truth VR, and all sorts of other cool stuff. Just Google him, and you'll get to check out his Defying the Nazis project and all the other things that he's done as really a, a uh, you know a futurist and a, a leader in the VR space. Thank you so much, Elijah. Oh, thank you, Lori. This is awesome. 
I'm going to leave a glass of wine for you at my house, okay? Right so, on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. This is Lori, the Tech Cat Show. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 